All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Mission Sunday. It is an honor, like those words, to, to be sent. It's a, a powerful word to talk about being, being sent. And uh, it's something we're going to focus in on today. There's um, I don't know, just, just something about it. Have you been sent before? Have you ever been sent somewhere? I think we all can relate to that in some ways. Uh, maybe you've just been sent. Maybe you're <clears throat> in the military. You've been sent. And maybe you've been sent somewhere. I was just talking with someone after the first service. He's like, yep, that was me. I was sent to a lot of different places I did not want to go. But he had to go. And he went and he served his country. And it was, we're so thankful for that. But maybe you've been sent in a lot of, in, in other areas. I mean, there's one area where we can all say that we have been sent. And we can agree that this has happened to each and every one of us. It's because we're, we were all once kids. And we've all been sent to our room at least once. I've probably been sent to my room and at 43 years old. I, I know my wife has, you know, gotten sick of me on occasion. Like, will you just go take a nap or something? But we've all been sent somewhere. And uh, for a little bit of uh, dis- full disclosure here, I was almost sent to a few places as well that I, you know, would not want to go to. One was uh, the result of a food fight in high school. And so I was definitely sent to the principal's office and almost suspended. Uh, Wasn't my fault. I I was involved in it to this day. It still was not my fault. It was the other kid's fault. But you know that when everybody was like, dude, that was so awesome you started a food fight. You're like, yeah, of course I did. (laughs) Even though it wasn't me. Okay, I did have a shirt that was very messy as a result and another girl was completely doused. And then... Um, living in the Pine Barrens in New Jersey, that's not a place to start a forest fire, which, yes, I did do as well. Burn a quarter of an acre of our woods down in the backyard because uh, me and my friends, we, uh, we had been making model rockets and enjoyed doing that, and that, we thought that was pretty neat, but it gets boring after a while. It just goes up in the air, parachute opens, comes down. We're like, yeah, what else can we do with that? Oh, let's um, take the model rocket engines and see what happens when we mix them with firecrackers that are also illegal in New Jersey. And so we put all that kind of stuff together and had this nice ball of flame. And we thought that was pretty cool until we started to see um, Johnny Cash's ring of fire start to envelop. And uh, then the panic started to set in. We did get the fire out before the fire department got there, but when they saw what we had used, they were pretty ticked. And the word juvie was thrown out there. Now, thankfully, there were some people in the neighborhood, I guess like they vouched for me, and that never happened. So the key word there is almost, all right? Remember, almost sense. I did not actually go. But we've all been sent somewhere. And the word sent, when we look at it in the Bible, it carries a lot of weight to it. There's a lot of people who are sent in the Bible, and we're going to focus in on a particular one today. But before we do that, would you pray with me? Father God, we uh, thank you for this time. We thank you for Mission Sunday. We thank you for, for those who are working near and far, Lord. We thank you for our brothers and sisters who are in Ethiopia and who are still fighting to proclaim your name even under persecution. We thank you also. You are a mighty God and a mighty God who saves. We pray that you would come and you would bring your word today, Lord, and that you would be the one speaking, Lord. It would not be me. Would you show us what you want us to hear and what you want us to see so that we can leave this place being sent by you and bringing glory to your name. Amen. 
So we're going to talk a little bit about the prophet Isaiah today. We're going to focus in on a, a chapter where there's a very popular verse. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah, uh, you can go ahead into your glossary or find it in the Old Testament. He's one of the major prophets. So he's uh, has a pretty good amount of the Old Testament dedicated to him. There's about 60-some verses. If you've gotten to Jeremiah, just go a little bit back to the left and you'll hit Isaiah. So there's a verse in there, Isaiah 6, 8 which you have probably heard before. And if you have taken a trip, particularly in the summertime, and you're going down south, and you're going, and maybe you're in Dallas-Fort Worth, or you're in Miami, you have definitely seen this Bible verse. Because it will be printed on some neon green or yellow shirt, and you'll see about 30 of them on a bunch of youth students going on a missions trip. Personally, I'm not a big fan of those. But, um, you know, that's a, it's a good way to make sure you don't lose any students in the airports. But you'll see, many times, probably half of the time, you're going to see a verse on there that's going to say, Send me, Lord, I will go. Isaiah 6, 8. And it's a great verse. It's an appropriate verse because they're going on a missions trip. They are going. But I think it's, it's pretty obvious that God did not have this verse in the Bible just so it could be on a t-shirt. See, it's very easy to put that verse on a t-shirt, and it's very easy to say, send me, I will go. When we have an application, when we have team meetings, when we do fundraising, and we, you know, then we'll have a, you know, we go out on a trip, and then there's like an excursion time, and there's all these fun things to do, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but if we make that out to be what missions is all about, or more so, what being sent is all about, then we are missing what it really means, what God really desires for us as his people. So we're going to look at Isaiah today. We're going to look at the whole chapter 6 because in this chapter, we get to see the five W's here. We get to see the who, what, when, where, and why. Actually, we get to do the who twice. And so we're going to really, we're going to do a quick deep dive into seeing what it really means to be sent. So we're going to start in verse 1, and that's going to give us actually our when. We're just going to read a few words right here to get started. So Isaiah 6.1, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died. We're just going to stop right there. Not a lot in there, but it's very important. King Uzziah was one of the good kings of Judah. He was a very good king, so good that his reign lasted for 50 years. And his time of reign brought in some great prosperity to the kingdom of Judah. But there were some issues going on. Uzziah, at the end of his reign, he had done so well, he started to become prideful. And so he went to the temple and he tried to go into a part of the temple that he was not allowed to go to, that only the priests were allowed in. And he was demanding that he go in and he forced his way in, even at the protest of the priests. And because of doing that, our holy God looked upon him, didn't care how good of a king he was and struck him down with leprosy. And he finished his life as a leper. And because of being a leper, which is a contagious disease, he had to go live the rest of his life alone in a house by himself, and his son Jotham became co-regent, meaning that he was basically the face of the king, and now he was leading, and then when Uzziah died, then Jotham became the next king. So there was a time of prosperity, but we also see that through Uzziah's own pride, 
there was some things underneath that prosperity that were not going well. There was actually rot underneath. Because when you look into the text, you will see that it is saying, yeah, things were good, but there were certain things that were still not changing. People were still worshiping in the wrong ways. People were still doing things that they shouldn't do. Yeah, the, the, the times were great. They were not at war, but they were not with God like they should be. And so then Jotham comes. And Jotham is a good king, but his reign is not very long. It's only 16 years. And then his son Ahaz comes along, and Ahaz is a bad king. Ahaz leans fully into that rot and says, you know what? We're going back into the idol worship. I've been to these other countries, and I want to be doing that kind of stuff. And so he brings the country into a time that is not prosperous. It's a time of walking away from God. But then... His son comes, Hezekiah, and maybe you've heard of him. He was a king that brought great reform and brought the nation back to God again because he was a king who did humble himself before the Lord. So what does all this mean? We're talking about when are we sent? Well, the point here is whenever. Isaiah was sent as a prophet during times of good and times when they were bad. It doesn't matter. Yes, our country is going through some things right now, but we are still sent. And when our country is going to be in a great time of revival, which I pray will come, we are still sent. It's not about just reading the politics, reading the news and saying, okay, now it's time to go. It is always time to go. And that gives us our why as well. Why do we need to go? Because we live in a sinful, broken world. In the kingdom of Uzziah, like we said, it was a prosperous time, but there was rot underneath. There was still sin. And so there was still a need to go, even though things looked good. And I think that we could say that's our world right now. We have been in times where things have been really good. We have been, times, we have been in times when things are really bad. But there is always a need for God. Because this world is not perfect. This world is broken and sinful. And that is why God wants to send people. But who? So we know the why. We know the when. But who? Who is the next one. But not who goes. It's who is sending. That is what we need to know next. So we continue in the verses. We're going to pick it right back up in verse, six, or verse 1 and go through verse 4. Read again. In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a high and lofty throne, and his robe filled the temple. Seraphim were standing above him. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one called to another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. His glory fills the whole earth. The foundations of the doorways shook at the sounds of their voices and the temple was filled with smoke. Isaiah 6, 8, send me, I will go. is an amazing verse. And we have also, we've sung it in songs, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, we hear these things. But when we look at it in this context, just got to pause for a moment and think about what is really being said here. Put yourself in Isaiah's shoes for that moment. Maybe it's happening right here. Just imagine, just imagine what would it be like if right here this building just started to shake. 
And this building started to become filled with smoke. This room right here, all of a sudden just smoke started to appear. Now, I would imagine for, especially for those of us who have kids, our first reaction is going to be that this is a, a, a natural disaster. And so we're going, to, uh, we're going to try and run. We're going to check on our kids. We're going to grab our kids. And, and, and we're going to be like, oh my goodness, there's an earthquake that is happening. There's a fire in the building. But what does that mean? Like, we're upset. Something is wrong. Maybe panic is even setting in. And that's just for a natural disaster, which is appropriate, I'm not trying to make light of that. I mean, those are terrible things. We just prayed about an earthquake in Afghanistan. I can't imagine what they went through there. But now imagine that it's, it's not so much an earthquake, but it's the one who created the earth is shaking this place. He is appearing. He is here. The angels there are saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. We are talking about a holy, mighty God. And he is just shaking this place with his presence. And as I was reading through this and preparing the message, I just felt God putting it on my heart and he was calling me out on this and he is saying, hey, do you really know who is sending? He's saying, do you really know who I am? Do you really know that I am a holy God? Not just a holy God, but I am a holy, holy, holy God. Because when, in, in the Bible, in the, in the Hebrew language, when, it is, when holy is said once, okay. When it is said twice, pay attention. When it is said three times, it is saying this is God. He is holy. And then I felt God challenging me and saying, you got to watch it, buddy. Yeah, Jesus does say in the Gospels, he says, yes, you are my friends. And we grab onto that like, yes, Jesus is my friend. Jesus is my best friend. Jesus is my buddy. And we sing songs like this sometimes. We got worship songs that are called best friends. But that verse continues on saying, you are my friends if you obey my commands. That is in the Bible. But here we are not talking about my buddy, my pal. We are talking about the creator of the universe. That is power there. That is immense, amazing, awesome power. And so when he comes, he doesn't change because we are afraid of him and come in something simpler than that. He comes as a holy God, and that is what is happening here. He is holy. And I admit, I have forgotten that way too often. Even today when I was, um, when I was preparing this message, I realized that yesterday... We had my daughter's birthday, and so we had a sleepover on Friday to Saturday, and the girls were awesome. They were, had a lot of energy and everything like that. Talitha just turned 11, and, you know, they're just, they're just having fun. And so, you know, you know what it's like. You wake up, you're tired because, uh, you know, you didn't really sleep because those girls didn't sleep. But, um, you know, they all went home, and uh, I'm just hanging out, watching a little bit of TV. And I just feel God saying, hey, I bet we spent some time together. Get ready for that message. Like, oh. Uh, when the program's over, God. Yeah. Who am I to say that to a holy God? I might say that to my friend. I've unfortunately said that too often to my wife, and I shouldn't do that. But to say that to the Lord on high, who am I? Who am I to say that? Who am I to act like that? Look at some of these other things that are written in there. It talks about the throne, a high and lofty throne. The kings, the earthly kings would have a throne that would be huge. They would put people in a sense of awe. But then 
God has one that's even bigger, that's even grander than that. And then it talks about his robe. It says the train of his robe filled the temple. Now this is really interesting. I've been reading a little bit of this and I can't verify when it actually happened or if it's, if it's 100% true, but I want to share it anyway. So there's been a little bit of study about the Assyrian culture and that when kings would go to war and they would conquer another uh, country, they would, get, they would find the king, and the king that was conquered, he has this big ornate robe. All the kings had them. And it was just something that you would wear just to show that you were king, you were great, you were awesome, you were powerful. And if, you conquer, if this Assyrian king conquered another king, he would find his robe, and he would cut the edge of the robe, the train of the robe, the hem off, and he would sew it back onto his. So if you had a king who had gone to war 10 times against 10 countries and defeated 10 kings, his robe got longer and longer as he added on more pieces to his robe. That's a huge robe right there. But then we hear that the Lord, the train of his robe, fills the temple. Just imagine just our building right here. How many kingdoms would God have had to conquer just to fill this building right here? It's all of them. Because God is king over all. He is Lord over all. And the point here is that he is the king over every president, over every king, over every dictator. Every single one is below him because he is our holy God. He is so holy that the seraphim, this word seraphim, it comes from a Hebrew word seraph, which means flame or fiery one. These were angelic beings who were, maybe they were physically on fire or it represented a fire that was within them, but they were something, they were just a, a powerful, awesome celestial presence. And yet before God, they hid their face they hid their feet, the only things that were openly exposed. They were completely engulfed by their wings because they could not look upon a holy God. They felt insignificant before him. It's just, we're painting the picture here that God is holy. He is so incredibly holy. And we have to ask ourselves, I ask this of myself, God put it on me and I, I, I need to put it out here. Have we forsaken the holiness of God? Because as we get to this next part, if God is going to say who will go and we're going to say no, how can we say that if God is holy? So let's look at Isaiah's response to the holiness of God. We pick it up in verse 5. This is Isaiah speaking. He says here, Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips and live among a people of unclean lips and because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me and in his hand was a glowing coal that he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your wickedness is removed and your sin is atoned for. So we've heard the when, we've heard the why, we've heard of who sends, but now who is being sent? We could say, oh, you're talking about Isaiah. Yeah, Isaiah is being sent here, but when it comes to all of us, the one who is being sent is a humbled and forgiven man or woman. See, what happens is Isaiah is in the temple and we don't know if this is a vision or if he's actually in the temple and this is happening. In one way or another, it's a, it's a vision of sorts, but he knows he's in the presence of God. And 
he is just wrecked. That is what the word woe means. Woe is like, it's like, woe, I am in trouble. Because God is here and he is perfect. And being in front of him, I am seeing how imperfect, how broken and sinful I am. How in the world am I going to survive? He really thinks that in that moment, he is going to die. Because guess what? Sin cannot exist in the presence of a holy God. God hates sin. He hates it. He is holy. He is perfect. He has nothing to do with sin. Yet, as much as he hates it, he still has love. And he sends that seraphim. It says it flew, it flew to Isaiah and put a coal on his lips representing that his sins had been forgiven, that he had been cleansed. Instead of destroying Isaiah, he is forgiving Isaiah. And that is the gospel message right there. That is what Jesus did on the cross for us. He died for us so that we could be forgiven. The holiness of God all wrapped up in a man to die on a cross for something he did not do. That is powerful love right there that can only be done by a holy God. And so Isaiah is now he's been humbled by God. He humbles himself. And that is what we need in our lives. If we want to be able to follow after God, the Bible says, it tells us, humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Isaiah has been lifted up at this moment because he has been forgiven by God. And now that he has been humbled and he has been forgiven, he is able to be used by God. And we see this in the next part in Isaiah 6, 8. So we pick it up there. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, who shall I send? Who will go for us? I said, here I am, send me. And he replied, go. So God asks a question. But I don't think that this is a question that is, um, this is a rhetorical question. It's not like Isaiah is surrounded by a bunch of prophets and priests and they're all hearing this and God is like, he's there at the front. He's like, all right, I, I, got, I need someone to go. So I need a couple of volunteers. Who wants to go? And then, you know, everybody's kind of like, you know, just bow your head down enough, like sink into your seat a little bit and maybe he won't see me just like, you know, you don't want your teacher to call on you. And you're just kind of looking around like, where's that guy that always raises his hand to pray? When's he going to get his hand up? Because he'll go. That's not what's happening here. God is speaking to Isaiah. He's like, um, who's going to go? Isaiah. Right? And he's saying that to all of us right here. We might all be here together, but if you are a follower of Jesus, God is calling you to go. And I can almost see Isaiah here. Like, just think about this for a second. He's been, he, he's been in the presence of God, and then he's been forgiven by God. And now God is saying, who will go? I don't think Isaiah is there like, oh, I guess if there's nobody else, uh, I'll go. I see him, he's like, me, me, I'll go, I'll go. Send me, Lord, I want to go. Now the first service, I'm not gonna do this. I started jumping up and down and the batteries fell out of my, um, uh, my, my microphone thing here. So I'm not gonna do that here, but I just picture that's what Isaiah was doing. Like he was excited. He wanted to go. It wasn't about thinking somebody else would go. It was about that God said to him, who will go? And he responded with, send me, I will go. But where did he go? Where did Isaiah go?
who will go for us. Here I am, send me, he said. I kind of jumped ahead there. But when he says go, he doesn't go anywhere big or elaborate. Isaiah goes to his people. This is the where. Isaiah, we're going, to, we're going to talk about missions trips. We're excited about our international mission trips. We love that we have our mission partners and we're going to be unveiling some mission trips that we're going to have opportunities for you guys in the summer. And that's awesome. And I want to lean into that. I mean, coming from the mission field myself, I love those things. But the go is to your people. Isaiah went to his own people. That's it. That's where we are called to go. Right here, right now. If you are a follower of Jesus, I, I hear this so often because I've worked in missions. People ask me and say, how do you know if God has called you? And my response is, well, are you, are you a Christ follower? Like, yeah. Okay, then you're called to go. Plain and simple. Like, there, there's, no, there, there's no expertise about, there's no classes about, it's just you are called to go. That is what the Great Commission was about. The Great Commission was not reserved for a few people. It wasn't reserved for some extraordinary special people because it's God who is special. It's God who is extraordinary. We are all the called of God to go. I had a friend that he went on a missions trip to Jamaica and he loved it. And you would think, oh, why wouldn't you love it? He went to Jamaica. Yeah, great trip, but you know what? Even, even great island resort places, they, they need Jesus too. And I think he was uh, working, like, uh, help, like doing outreach to like, prostitutes over there and other things. And, and he said he just had an amazing time and he felt that God was calling him back to Jamaica. I was like, that's awesome, man. He's never gone. We're talking about like 20 years ago that we had this conversation. And he would always be, he's like, he was reading up, he was praying, he was meeting with pastors. Well, God put it on his heart. It's like, dude, just go. If it's on your heart, just go. And, and, if, and, and if you weren't supposed to go there, but you're preaching the gospel, God's not going to be mad at you because you went to Jamaica to preach the gospel. He's going to be like, go, man, go. So like, we're all called to go and share the gospel. We are all called to be sent. And if God has a specific place for you to go, if he's calling you out to the foreign mission field, if he's calling you into a new position, he'll let you know that. But if you're not here in specific, just go. Go home. Go to your family. Go to lunch and make that your go. Go golfing. Yeah, you don't hear that very often up here. Usually pastors were like, man, it's always a nice day and somebody's golfing on Sunday and not coming to church. Well, you know what? If you're golfing, but you're sharing the gospel and that's the way you share the gospel is because you get together with your buddies, then man, do it. But if you're not sharing the gospel, you're just golfing. Okay, the same thing can happen even on mission trips. We can go and paint houses, we can go and build houses, but if we're not sharing the gospel, we're just building a house. But if you share the gospel, then you are going as God has called you to go. So we are all called to go. The where starts here with our people. So that's exciting to know the who, the when, the why, the where. But I think the what is what makes it hardest for all of us. Because the, the what here is what are we taking? And that's what we get here in the last verses of Isaiah chapter 6. In verse 9, says, and, and he, being God, replied, go, say to these people, 
Keep listening, but do not understand. Keep looking, but do not perceive. Dull the minds of these people, deafen their ears and blind their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their ears and hear with their ears, understand with their minds, turn back and be healed. Then I said, until when, Lord? And he replied, until cities lie in ruins without inhabitants. Houses are without people. The land is ruined and desolate, and the Lord drives the people far away, leaving great emptiness in the land. Though a tent will remain in the land, it will be burned again, like the terebinth tree or the oak that leaves a stump when felled. The holy seed is the stump. So this sounds a little morbid here. What are we taking with us? This is the message that Isaiah was given by God. He said, send me, I will go. And, and God's like, all right, I want you to take this message and I want you to preach a message so that people will not be healed and people will not be saved. Is that, what, that, that sounds what it's saying here, right? It does sound that way, but that's not what God is really saying here. What he is saying is, when you bring my message... This is how people are going to respond. Because when we bring God's message of love and hope, that message of love and hope, that message of grace, it only makes sense in light of our sin. And so we, I'm not telling you to go and, and just point out every teeny tiny detail of sin, but when you start sharing the gospel, that's gonna come up and people don't like to hear that. We don't even like to look at ourselves in the mirror and look and be like, man, I just don't like the way I look. Add on a few pounds. Or we know how we, our thoughts, we know the things that we've done. And we look and we, and we just like want to turn away. But that's what happens when we are face to face with a holy God. We see ourselves for who we really are. Broken. And people don't like that. But it's still, even though it's the message they don't want to hear. Or I should say the message we sometimes don't want to hear. It's still the message that is needed. Because it is a message of love and grace. And there are some who are going to be just like Isaiah who will humble themselves and turn back to God. But we have to be willing to carry that message. We're not here to carry an easy message. I'm not going to lie about it. We are here to carry the gospel. And some people will reject it and reject it vehemently. But we are still called to go. That's it. It's just about going and carrying that message. It's not about what message are we going to bring or how are they going to respond. It's just saying, the Lord is holy. I can't say no. I don't want to say no anymore to God because I've done it too often. And every time I say no to God, that's, that's me being like, you're not as holy as you, as you really are. I want to start taking this message seriously. And so our time today as we finish here, like I said, it's very easy to see this verse and say, send me, Lord, I will go. But are we going to do it the way that God wants us to do it? Will we carry that message? Will we go to the nations? Will we go to the neighbors? Our action step today is a simple one. It's just respond. God wants us to respond. Not just to respond in terms of uh, signing up for the missions trip. Sign up for it, please. If you want to go, if you feel like you're called to go. But will you respond now? Because God is telling each and every one of us, if you are a Christ follower, you are sent 
Jamie's going to play a song for us. This song, um, I was listening to the song on our staff retreat. That's where we, we go away as a staff and we, um, and we take some time to, to pray together, evaluate, and to plan out the year. And, and I had already heard this song and I was like, oh, that'd be a great Mission Sunday song. And so I, I went and put it on. I was just listening to it out in a um, little gazebo, actually, just there by myself. And next thing I know, I, I'm singing along with it. And then after that, I'm, I'm just like on my knees. And I'm just floored by this song, but more floored by the presence of God that was right there. And, and, and I started singing. And every time I got to this one part, I couldn't stop crying, which is not me. I'm not a very emotional guy. But this song just hit me, and I realized, like, yeah, that is what God has called us to do, is to, is to respond to him as a holy God so that we can be sent and that we can go. And so the song, it, it comes from Isaiah 6, 8, saying, send me, I will go, but it also comes from 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people will hum them, humble themselves and pray, I will hear them and heal their land. And I realized, I'm like, I gotta be humble before God. I gotta stop holding it back and, and thinking, you know what? I'll let somebody else do the, the prayer. I'll let somebody else do the going. I, I gotta stop holding back from Oh, what are people going to think of me if I, if I come to the altar or something like that? And so that's why I say the action step today, respond. I want to come here today, and I, I know we've been starting to do this, but I'm just really pressing into it. I'm going to make this place my altar. Because I want to respond. I still need to respond. It doesn't matter that I've given this message or not. I need to respond just like anybody else does. And so I'm going to come here and I'm going to pray. And I'm asking if you would pray with me. So as we sing this song, this song is more of a prayer than a song. I encourage you to sing this song, but would you join me here? If you are feeling God pressing on you, anything, come. Make your seat your altar, but I, I, I encourage you, I challenge you to do it here. Do it with me. Do it with your spouse. Do it with your wife. Do it with your friends. Because being sent is so much more than just signing up for the missions trip. Right here could be your sending moments. And I don't mean about going anywhere except that you're leaning into God and praying. So I'm going to pray. Jamie's going to play. You can join me if you like. Send me I will go Send me I will go Into the city to this nation and to the nations of the world send me I will go send me I'll go I will proclaim the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord I stand before you pleading from my heart That by your spirit you would set me apart To bring good news and liberty To see this nation on its knees Send me, I will go Send me, I 
Pray this would be the heartbeat of our church, Lord. We pray for revival to come in this land, Lord God. We pray for revival to come in this place. And we know, Lord, we see it in your word. You are not going to snap your fingers and just make everything right, but you will work through your people. And I pray, Lord Jesus, we pray to you, Lord. Oh, would you speak to every single heart here and, and, and show us how you want us to go and that we will not resist you anymore, Lord God. Father, you are holy. You are holy and righteous in everything that you do, Lord. We're just so thankful, Lord, that, that you have not abandoned us, that you have not forsaken us despite the sinfulness in our world and in our hearts, Lord. So we pray, Lord Jesus, again, make this our heartbeats, that we will make you holy in our lives and that we will go to the cities and to the nations and to the nations of the world. May we go to work. May we go to school. May we go to the diner. May we go to the playgrounds, Lord, and everywhere else that you would call us, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jamie, that was awesome. I always appreciate him just leaning into the worship. We're gonna continue, it's, uh, as I said in the first service, it feels difficult to transition when we have a moment like that and we still wanna continue what we do in our church and we wanna be able to have the opportunity to continue in, our, um, in worship by the, the giving of our, our tithes and our offerings. And uh, yeah, is he here? JC, you here, buddy? I don't see him. Okay. 
So uh, this is our time where we, um, where we just are able to, to give of our tithes and our offerings. It's just another way to, to worship God and to, and to glorify his name and say, God, you are first. You are, you are the one who's over all things in our lives. And we just thank you so much for, for, for giving and for trusting in God. And if you're visiting with us, we don't want you to feel pressured in any way. This is for those who call High Point home. And I just want to take a moment um, of uh, prayer for this time, if you'll pray with me over the offering. Father God, uh, thank you for... Just thank you for this, uh, this moment, and thank you, Lord, that you have uh, given us a church and a building. And we pray especially a thanks knowing, Lord, that in other parts of the world, we, don't, we have a freedom that, that others don't experience. So we pray for our brothers and sisters who are trying to just build a church. And in light of that, we thank you that you have given us our church. May we use this place and every financial th- uh, uh, gift that, you, that is given, may we use that to bring glory to your name, Lord. Amen.